Are you guys excited to get into the word? Yeah. You, you might want to save that amen until afterwards. You might want to change your mind. I don't know. <laughs> we are talking about a, a difficult subject. Um, confession. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's, yes, it's confession, yay. Um, so we're just going to jump right in. Um, you know, I had not, didn't plan on doing this. I don't know what made me think about it. Um, we're going to start off. I'm going to read a scripture here in a moment in, in 1 John. And so I hope you all have your Bibles. And I'm, I'm old school, and I'm a stickler, and I, I like the old leather and paper. You know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I know. Is it, is it on the music stand? Okay. Pastor Tim has it up here. He's graduated college three times. <laughs> He's got... I, I, I'm serious. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm going to do this because Pastor Tim mentioned it a few weeks ago. <laughs> but you know what? This is my Bible. It is God's Word speaking to me. I am... Who it says I am, I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. And um, I, I had spent a few years in a church that we did that every Sunday. And it almost got to be one of those, oh, come on, serious, you know, type things. But you know what? There's something powerful in that, that spoken, that spoken prayer. And that God will do that. So if you have your, you have your Bibles or your iPhones or your whatever you have, 1 John chapter 1, starting at verse 8, says this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Everybody who's taking a starting block should know that one. Um, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So right now, Father, I just pray right now as we get into your word. Father, as we said, this is our Bible. This is your word speaking to us, Father. And we do open our hearts today to hear you speak a word that will change our lives forever. And Father, right now, I just pray that in the name of Jesus, that your word will be presented, Father. That, Father, all the things that you want to be heard, all the things that you want to be said will be said. Father, I pray for um, open hearts, open minds, and open ears, Father, to hear your word. And, Father, anything that's of me will fall on deaf ears, but everything that's of you and your Holy Spirit would take root and grow and change lives forever. And, Father, we just claim this in your son's name. Amen. So. We're going to talk about confession. So if we say we haven't sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And when we say that, you know, we make God a liar by saying that, you know, we don't have sins. Now, I want to, before I get deep into what I want to talk about today, I'm going to set up a little bit. Today I'm going to come to you more as my, uh, my gifting of a prophet. And I'm going to be more of a prophet role today than a, a preacher or a teacher, although there's going to be some teaching, but more, more in the prophet uh, sense. So what I'm going to present today is not going to necessarily blow your minds. Oh, that was such a deep thought. Oh, wow, that was amazing. It's just going to be more of God's word and some things I want to point out. Now, some of you are like, okay, prophet, you know, what does a prophet do in, in the modern, modern church? Now, there's different ways. There's, there's a... Um, 
what they call the manifestation gifts, the ministry gifts, motivational gifts. And I'm not going to necessarily come to you with a thus saith the Lord in the future. I know my brother Marcus here is, is great at that. <laughs> you know, that's one of his giftings where he'll say, you know what, the Lord's saying, you know, whatever. I'm not going to be calling people out this morning and saying, especially since we're talking about confession. <laughs> you know, Pastor Tim, you, you, you have a problem with ca caffeine and you need to just decaf or, you know, <laughs> you know, not, not, and everybody who said amen, you know, they, I'm, so I won't be calling that out. But a prophet in the, in the modern church, one of the roles of a prophet in the modern church is this. A prophet is God's messenger, God's mouthpiece, piece who God speaks through. They are God's vessel passing message to people. A prophet will admonish, will warn, will direct, encourage, intercede, teach, and counsel. They bring the word of God to people and call people to respond. And that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to present some things and then call for a response, okay? Another thing about a prophet you need to understand is we tend to see black and white. We don't walk in the gray area too much. God's word says this, that's what it is. It's black or white. We don't mess around in that gray area. I was just thinking about a time Pastor Tim and I had a conversation, and it wasn't even, a, it was a non-essential, just talking. And we were both on the same page. We both were in agreement. We weren't arguing. We were just, you know, talking about the same thing. We were in agreement with it. Then the prophet had represented it. But you know what the Bible says? <laughs> and we both, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but the, <laughs> when I, that's just what we do. We, we see that. So when there's that spectrum, that pendulum, we tend to take that pendulum to swing as far to one side or the other as we can. So if today it seems like I'm taking that pendulum and swinging it to one side, I am, okay? Um, deal with it, you know, because I, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to get in that gray area and, and make all of excuses, but this, I'm just going to present it and let God do with what he's going to do. So I want to also say, I want to just also say, I'm not here to condemn and I rebuke the feeling of condemnation. If anybody feels condemned today, I rebuke that in Jesus' name, okay? I'm not here to condemn, but you may feel conviction. And um, I don't know if the slide's up there yet. Um, conviction is about awareness, and the beauty of awareness is that it's the first steps towards growth and change. Meanwhile, condemnation has guilt and punishment attached to it. There is no wiggle room, no space for growth and change. There's only the consequences of the action. So I'm not here to condemn, but maybe I'll convict. Those are the, that's the difference between that. Um, we're going to throw this out, Romans 8.1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, I just want to point something out. A lot of your Bibles, all of your versions may not have that second half. Your Bibles probably say something like, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 2. Mine has this next part here, and others do too, Okay who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, I'm not going to argue whether that should or should not be in. That's not what I'm here today. But I like this version of the Bible that says that, because I'm just going to say it once again. Take that pendulum and throw it over there, okay? There are a lot of people who are in Christ, 
but yet they don't walk, yet they still walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. So, so we stop with that. Oh, for those who are in Christ, boom, there's no condemnation. But I think we need that extra tag on there who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so I, so I guess I wasn't going to argue about it, but I'm arguing it should be in there. <laughs> Sorry. So, so it says, says we're talking about confession, and, and I'm not even talking about confession. I'm talking about hidden sins also. So I really felt that was important to say. So anyway, so now let's get into the topic of confession, okay? You know, some of our spiritual disciplines that we've been talking about are inward. Some of them are outward. This one happens to be corporate. This is one of our, our corporate things. So in a sense, it affects us all. So if, once again, the scripture we just read in First John, if we say we have not sinned, we, we make God a liar, but he's faithful and just. He'll cleanse us from all sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So it affects us all. Now, a lot of you, I know, have a, a Catholic background, and when you hear the word confession, you, you automatically go to a, a place, right? So confession in our church is not, um, like I said, I know you have that Catholic background, but in both Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy, confession is a penance, is a sacrament. The power to dissolve lies in the priest who can grant release from the guilt of sins to the sinners, who are truly contrite, confess our sins, and promise to perform satisfaction to God. What we believe and practice here in Life Church, and as a four-square church, confession is done directly to God rather than to a priest. Okay? I stole this off of, there won't be a slide for it, but I'm just going to say it. If you want to see this, you can go to internationalfoursquarechurch.com, and we believe, and you'll find this, Okay? I just took a couple ones. This is right off the Foursquare webpage. Repentance and acceptance. We believe that upon sincere repentance and a wholehearted acceptance of Christ, we are justified before God. And to back that up, Romans 10, 8 through 10, and 1 John 1, 9, which we already read. Salvation through grace. We believe that we receive salvation when we come to God through faith in the atoning work of Jesus on the cross. Salvation is God's gift to us. Ephesians 2, 8. And you can look those scriptures up and you said you can find out what we believe on that webpage. I just wanted to just point that out. So to start talking about confession and hidden sins, I'm going to give you a moment to find Joshua chapter 7. And while you're looking up Joshua chapter 7, I'll set up a little background for, for this. In the book of Joshua, Moses has now died and, jo and jo uh, Joshua is leading the people of Israel. And we hear all the stories about the Crossing the Jordan and parting of the Jordan, and they cross over in that. Um, you get up to verse, uh, I'm sorry, it's chapter 6. That's where they have Jericho. They come up to their first obstacle, Jericho, right? So God said, hey, before you take over, you need to sanctify yourself, get prepared. Um, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go march around the city one time a day for six days. On the seventh day, you're going to do it seven times. And then everybody's going to scream and yell. And the wall's going to fall down. Now, when the walls fall down, since you're sanctified and, and you know, all this kind of stuff, do not take any of the plunder because it's accursed. Okay? So leave, leave that alone. And there's, there's another thought I have about why that is. I'll, I'll throw it out. This is a little tidbit. This was their first conquest, right? And the first plunder. He said, it's accursed. Don't take it. But also, there's, it's talking about the first fruits. This could be the first fruits of the land. Say, that's mine. Leave, leave that alone. Trust me. And so he said, it's a curse. Don't, don't touch it. So we, we read the story. We know. So they 
Or if you saw the veggie tales where they walk around, right, and the, the French peas are taunting them. Go away, I shall taunt you a second time. All right, and throwing slushies on them and, you know, everything else. <laughs> they go, anyway, the walls fall down. There was much rejoicing, you know, yay, you know. And they go on. And then it talks about how there's much rejoicing. And Joshua's fame threads spread throughout the land, right? So now Joshua's famous. People are, oh, here, here they come. They're famous. This is all happening. God did this awesome miracle. They didn't even have to fight. They just walked around. And boom, the walls fall down, right? And God totally takes care of them. And then we get to chapter 7. And chapter 7 starts with this word, we hate to hear. Especially if you, if, if you have a job and you go in for your job review and they're telling you how great you are and your sales are up or whatever it is you do. And then they, they throw this one word, but chapter 7 starts with that. So Joshua 7 verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Wow. Here they are without that much rejoicing. Everything's going on. But the children committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. Let's read on. For Achan, the son of Camri, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zariah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Okay? Achan stole... If you read the story, I won't read the whole thing, but he took some gold, some silver, some clothing, and he goes and he goes to his tent and he buries it. And I'm like, I mean, if you're going to steal, at least enjoy it. Why are you going to bury, you know, bury it? But anyway, he buries it under his tent. And so the, the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel because of, of what Achan did. And if you read the story, they go on. They go up to their next city, Ai, and they're going to take it. And they're coming off this high, man. Man, we just demolished Jericho. Matter of fact, AI is so small, we don't even need to send the whole army. This is going to be an easy one. Let's go. And they get routed. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. They just had this awesome victory. Aiken takes you to curse things, and they go through the next one. And now they get routed. And they, oh, they're all, all, all bummed out and depressed and everything. You know, what's going on? God doesn't love us. Um, if you continue in, um, let me get my Bible open here. Hold on one second. So Joshua, we're still in Joshua chapter 7. We're going to pick it up at uh, verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their head. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns us back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? And he's, now he's putting it on God, you know. Hey, we're, we're going to be. Now what are you going to do for your name? So the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Put on your big boy pants. I don't know if your version says that. Um, get up. Why do you lie thus on your faith? Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have taken some of the accursed things, and have both stolen and deceived, and they also have put it among their own stuff. 
Therefore the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they have become doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore, unless you destroy the accursed from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourself for tomorrow, because the Lord your God of Israel... Uh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, there is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies, so you take away the accursed things from among you. A lot of reading there. Now, you can't, you have an accursed thing. That's why you lost. That's why there's something. I told you what to do. Don't take this stuff. It's accursed. It belongs to me. Somebody stole it. Now, when you read this, it says that this guy Achan, he does it. And if you notice in, in this verse, it keeps saying more than once, the children of Israel, they, them, their. Okay? Now, I shouldn't have to say this, but it's 2023. Those are not Aiken's uh, preferred pronouns. He's talking about the whole nation. It is one guy. Well, I, <laughs> you, you don't know. <laughs> 2023. You, you just you don't know where people's minds are going with this. So when one guy sins, God says they, meaning the whole nation, have sinned. They cannot stand. They got to get rid of this stuff. They put it amongst their stuff. And so this is not on a slide, but um, they go on and they sanctify themselves and they come before Joshua, tri tribe by tribe, family by family, and they finally pick out his family. And then in verse 19, Joshua says, my son, I beg you, give glory to God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. So I can, okay, I, I took some of the gold, I took some silver, I took some clothing, and I buried it in my tent, you know, anything. Now, this next part, we're going to say, thank you, Jesus, we live in a New Testament church and got, have God's grace. So I'm going to tell you what happens. So what they do is they get rid of the accursed things and the sin. After he confesses, they stone him. They kill him. Not him, his family, his animals. Wipe it out. You get all the stuff he stole and destroy the stuff he stole. And he got rid of the sin. Now, thank God we live under the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. So but every time we blow it, we don't get stoned or killed or you know, our families get destroyed. But the point is to get rid of the sin. Okay? So even though we live under grace, even though we live under the, the New Testament we still have to get rid of the sin, the hidden sins, the sins that we've taken and buried under our tent. Okay? So one man's sin affects the whole nation. And they are not able. Now, as you read the story, you know what happens. They, they get rid of the sin. They get favor with God again. They defeat AI. As a matter of fact, they end up conquering the land and taking over the land that was promised. And God's with them. And God, throughout the time, said, get rid of sin, get rid of sin, you know, okay. So let's bring this a little closer to home now. Let's, you know, bring it, you know, that, that was Old Testament. Let's bring it a little closer to home. How does sin affect us today? First of all, it separates us from God. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Indeed, the arms, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save, and his ear not too deaf to hear. But your, does that word again, but your iniquities are separating you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not listen. That's kind of harsh. 
So God's not too weak to save, and you know, he, you know, he's got good hearing. You know, he doesn't need a hearing aid. He can hear you. But your iniquities or your sins are separating you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face so that he does not listen. Now, I can already hear some of you already saying, but what about Romans 8.38? Okay, I, <laughs> I can see the little bubbles above your head. You know, Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 says this. It's not on the slides. You just have to look it up or, or write down, look it up later. Romans 8.38.39 says this. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor death nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from God's love. So if you don't hear anything else today, nothing will separate us from God's love. Okay, so if you shut me off and don't listen to anything else I say because you're offended or whatever, just know that nothing will separate from God's love. Okay, but if we willingly sin and refuse to confess these sins or deal with them, we are being disobedient to God and his laws or his ways. So, now I'm also not saying that we have to be perfect for him to hear us. So please don't hear that either. Oh, as soon as I get rid of all my sins and I'm perfect and I walk on water and, you know, and everything else, God will start hearing. I'm not saying that. But God wants that humble heart where you will come to him and confess those sins. And you've got these hidden sins. And as we begin to grow deeper in, in his love and in his relationship, that we will... He said, we'll never be perfect. You know, I probably sinned 100 times today before, you know, and I'll probably sin 100 more times before I go to bed. But it's the thing is I've become to the Lord and say, Lord, man, I did it again. And he, he knows that. I'm not hiding it. I'm not pretending like it didn't happen. So when the willing sin, the, un, the hidden sin, the sins, you said, I'm not going to deal with it. I'll leave those alone. Those are the ones in your life. And that's where God's going to turn the death there on you. He won't listen to your prayers. You feel like you're separated from God because God cannot, the, listen, the most holy God, the creator of everything, cannot dwell with sin. Okay, he just can't. And if you refuse to take care of that, yeah, maybe he's not listening. You know, and I hate, you know, you, sorry guys, that pendulum's swinging over here, okay? You know, you guys, well, what about all your gray areas that I'm just, gray, you know, pendulum swung over here. So maybe that feeling that God's so far away that he doesn't hear is we have unconfessed sin in our life. And, and God's just saying, man, deal with it, deal with it. And we always say, well, God knows everything. He knows. No, he wants us to come humbly before him and confess these things. The second thing sin does, how it affects us, it affects our health. Okay? How does sin affect our health? Physically, sin can cause an internal conflict with God and with God and us, leading to health issues and taking a physical toll on your body. Depending on the sin you battle with, it can affect your blood pressure, sleeping patterns, destroy your body, depending on the lifestyle choices because of sin. Okay? We have this unresolved sin, it's going to start affecting us in our physical ways. You know, because once again, it might cause you anxieties or 
the high blood pressure, you're not going to be able to sleep. Now, all those things are going to lead to other health issues. I know we have several nurses you know, here, and they'll, they'll attest to that, that if you're not taking care of your body, you're not sleeping well, anxiety and blood pressure will lead to other things eventually. And then also some sins, and I don't think I have to name them, but some sins actually will start destroying the body. Okay? Uh, as you partake in certain things, you know, I, I don't think I need to, I think we're all adults, we know what I'm talking about, but there are certain sins that will actually affect the body. So it affects your health. In Deuteronomy, the children of Israel, they were told by the Lord to, to, to do all these things. He gives them in Leviticus, Deuteronomy. He's telling them, hey, do this, do this, do this, do this. And one of the things he says is, after all these, you know, live this way, act this way. But the number one thing he says, have no other gods before me and to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Okay? And if you do this, you won't become sinless, but you will sin less. Okay? <laughs> right? You're not, yeah? So you won't become sinless, just you, you know, but you'll sin less. And as you're loving the Lord your God, you, you, especially if you read, if you take the time to read Leviticus, and I, man, that's tough. But you realize, you know what? If I'm loving the Lord with all my heart, soul, and strength, I'm not even going to mess with this stuff. This stuff will come naturally. I won't have to think about it. And then when I do blow it, since I love God so much, God, man, I blew it again, you know. And he goes, it's okay, son. Puts me on his lap and, you know, gives me a hug, you know. We're, we're good. And, and so we keep doing that. Now, the other thing he tells the children of Israel in Deuteronomy, if they do that, he says this. In Deuteronomy uh, 7.15, there's no slide for it, but the Lord will remove all sickness from you. He will not put all the terrible diseases of Egypt that you know about, but he will afflict them on those who hate you. Then in, in, in the book of Micah, he's prophesying to the people in Israel. And in chapter 6, he's talking to them. He's telling them, man, you've got to start loving again. You've got to have mercy. You've got to walk humbly before the Lord because they're doing all kinds of terrible things, all kinds of sexual sins and immoral things. They're going crazy. And Micah says, hey, guys. Come back, you know, come back. Love the Lord. Walk in mercy. Walk humbly before the Lord. And then in uh, Micah 6, 13, after he's telling him, hey, guys, man, straighten up, straighten up, straighten up. And he says this. There's the Lord speaking through Micah. Therefore, I will also make you sick by striking you and make you desolate because of your sins. Now, I let me take the pendulum over here. And bring it over here for a minute. This will be one of my gray areas, okay? <laughs> I wanted to say this, make this clear, because I, I already know, you know people might be shutting me off by me saying that, that if you, know, if you love the Lord, he won't take, you, you won't be sick, et cetera, okay? It's in the Bible. It is in the Bible, so I, I can say that. But I want to say this. Not all sickness is because of sin in your life. Please understand that, Okay? That's why I said I'm bringing the pendulum over here a bit. Not all sickness is because of sin in life. The Bible does affirm a general connection between sickness and sin, that death, disease, decay were not part of God's original plan for human beings. Beyond that, it is hard to generalize. Since some illness does result from sin, some from being sinned against, and most do no fault of the patient. 
So please do not hear if you're struggling with a sickness that I'm saying you have sin in your life. I'm not saying that necessarily. Because we live in a fallen world, we have to deal with those things. So things happen to innocent people, good people, etc. It's one of those things, you know, I, I wish I could give you a great answer to that. And this is why all the things I said is we live in a fallen world. And it, it does happen. So just because you get sick, just because something happens, just because whatever, it's not always because of sin in your life. However, yes, because of sin in your life, you will get sick. You will have disease. You will have things. So yes, it happens. And it's not always. So that's by one, I guess, gray area. I'll get out the, the black and white and, and give you a gray area right there. So I don't, I don't want you to, like, you know, just shut me off. Oh, Pastor Greg thinks I'm sick because I sin, you know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. In James chapter 5, it says this. Is any among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing praises. Is anyone of you sick? He should call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person is very powerful in its effect. So back to that thing. We need to be able to confess to one another our sins. Now, once again, don't come out and just start vomiting on people all these you know gross things that you've done, right? You know, use a little you know restraint, you know, <laughs> you know. But you know, we should be able to talk to each other. I should be able to come to my brother Marcus and say, "Hey, brother man, I'm struggling with this," you know, and he, you know, how. Knowing Mark, I'll have a word from the Lord, and you'll, you'll say something. Put a lot of pressure on you, brother. <laughs> and you'll be able to pray for me. And if this thing is particularly is causing an illness or an element or something, I will be healed, and we'll, we'll pray for it. So we need to be, feel comfortable in our confession. Yes, confession to the Lord is how we are saved. So confessing to Marcus doesn't save me. That's only through through Christ. Okay, but. As we grow together, I confess my sins, he prays for me, and then I begin to be healed. And that's physical things, that's mental things, it's emotional things. You know, we're a house of healing that goes across the board, all, all the way across the board. So when we pray for healing, it's not just necessarily what we think of, you know, raising somebody from the dead or, or, or whatever. Although I am waiting for that to happen. I thought it would happen almost once, but anyway. <laughs> it was close. So confess your sins to one another and get rid of those hidden things. Now, I started off with Achan and, and, and Joshua chapter 7, how God counted his sin, their sin. Okay? So point number three is this. We are one body, and we are the body of Christ. Okay? Now, this next passage I'm going to read is generally used when talking about marriage. Okay, and um, we'll get there. And yes, Paul is talking about marriage, but he's talking about something even more. Um, I'm going to read the scripture, point a few things out. I'm not going to really expand on it, because just a few weeks ago when we were in the book of Ephesians, Pastor Tim spoke on this very scripture, 
and explain it very well. And if you need more explanation on it, go to YouTube and find it and get that whole sermon. I don't have time to expound on all that again. He does such a great job. I don't need to, to fix that. But Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 30. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Then it goes, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Then verse 32 says this, This is the great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So he's, he's using marriage as an analogy of Christ and the church. So all these things he's saying about husbands loving their wives and wives, you know, respecting their husbands is all good and yes, do that. But he's actually talking about being members of Christ's body and being the church. That's, I mean, that's exactly what he's talking about. And once again, if you need more explanation on it, go back and, and find the, the sermon on it. But we are connected to each other. And we're that members. We're, we're part of God's body. We belong to each other. Okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12, says this. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slaves or free. We have all been given to one spirit to drink, Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. Then the verse goes on and talks about if the foot says, oh, I'm not a hand, or I'm not an ear, you know, and he, you know I'm not part of the body because I'm not a part that I want to be. And it talks about how God places each one of us where he wants us. So wherever we are in the body, that's where God wants you. So you can't say, oh, I'm not, I'm not a hand, I'm not, you know, whatever. God says, this is your part, this is where you're going to be. So we're all a part. Then... The, uh, goes on in verse 26, says this. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. So I can already hear you guys always saying, so Pastor Ray, are you saying that if I sin, I cause the whole body or the church to suffer? I'm not saying anything. I'm just reading scripture. Okay, if you're feeling conviction, <laughs> but we are one. We are one body. We all belong together. Now I'll, I'll say this again: We have all sinned. We all know Romans three twenty three: For all sin falls short of the glory of God. Okay, I, I get that. Again, I'm not saying be perfect. Then God will start listening to you. I'm not. I, got, I just want to make sure I don't want anybody to leave here and say, man, you know, that guy saying, you know, I'm a terrible person and I'm causing the whole church to fall apart. And, I'm, you, know, you know, I'm not saying that. I'm just reading scriptures. <laughs> so, so we've all sent. We all have the need to confess and deal with these sins. Okay. You know, the main thing I'm really talking about here now are the hidden sins, the ones we've buried under our tent. The ones no one knows about. The ones we don't talk about, not even to God. The one that it's okay, it's not that bad. 
Everybody else does it. Now, when I say this, you are making a short thing of the big sins. Okay, whew, he's not talking about me. Yeah, because I'm not a drug addict. I'm not an alcoholic. I haven't killed anybody. I'm not having an affair. I, you know, you start going to all things. I've got it. You know, I, I'm good. I, I'm not doing all the big things. And praise God, by the way. <laughs> praise God, you're not. And if you are or have, God is faithful and just and forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Okay. But how about this? How about that one person or that family member you cannot or will not forgive? Okay. What about that thing God's telling you to do, but you have all these excuses why you can't? Volunteering children's ministry. <coughs> sorry. Um, do, sorry. It's something in my throat there. Um, <laughs> Swing that pendulum. <laughs> I'm a prophet. Sorry. How about that attitude, that bitterness, that personality trait that you refuse to let go of? After all, that's the way you were created. God made me this way. I'm angry because I'm angry. I'm angry because I'm this ethnic. Right? That's, I always hear that. People always say, well, I'm, I'm just angry because, well, I'm whatever ethnic group they want to be in there. And what I found out is every ethnic group I ever talked to have angry traits in them. <laughs> so you're angry because you're, you know, your ancestors come from here? Theirs came from there, and they're angry, and you know, whatever. You know? So we always have these reasons why. And we don't want to deal with that because we just say, you know what, that's just the way I am. But I look at it a different way. You know, that's, you know, you know you're hanging on to heritage. Now, I do not claim to be a Bible scholar. I've only graduated myself three times from Bible-based colleges. When I get to five or six, I might be a Bible scholar. <laughs> But Pastor Tim, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe somewhere in the Bible that says that when we come to Christ, that old things have passed away and all things come new. Did I, is that in the Bible? Did, am I mistaken? Yeah, it's in there? Okay. So when you hang on to this attitude, this belief, this idea, once again, you're not going according to God's word. Because God says now you're a new creation, you're a new person. Why are you hanging on to a personality trait that is devastating and contrary to God and his plan for you? Oh, God, I don't know why you don't ever listen to my prayers. You know, I'm really angry at this person. You haven't smitened them yet. <laughs> Wouldn't it be cool to live? That would be one of the cool things about living in the Old Testament, seeing people getting smitten. <laughs> But then again, I wouldn't be here because I'd be smitten, so that's it, it, not that cool, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. My mind just goes to all kinds of weird places when I think about this stuff. But you get the idea. Or do I need to name some more things that we're, we're, we're possibly dealing with? You know? so we don't have the big things, but you know, a lot of these little things. I, you know, I got another list. I can keep going on this list. Because I don't want you to say, he didn't mention mine. You know. 
you, you know the things that you're talking about. You get the idea. But if we can all agree that sin causes our bodies to suffer, we all agree that sin causes a void or a gap between us and God, and then that we're all the body of Christ. Let me just say this. You know, I'll basically wrap it up with this. We're running out of time. If I, I'll go to me, okay? So I've, if I'm not working at 100%, okay, and I've got things hidden under my tent, and I'm like, God, you know, don't, you can have this, 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 don't deal with this one. And then I have that separation from God. My health isn't exactly right because of the sin, not because of the innocence, but because of the sin. And I have the separation from God. I'm not working at 100%. If I'm not working at 100%, guess what? I'm not giving you 100%. And then, therefore, if, I not, if I'm not operating at 100%, I'm not giving you 100%. The church is not operated at 100%. So, when I said earlier, I'm not saying anything, and now I'm saying it. <laughs> if we decide to keep these sins inside ourselves, we are affecting not only ourselves, but we're affecting each other. Because now I can't be everything that God wants me to be for you. And then vice versa. So, yes. My hidden sin does affect the church. Yeah. I know it's heavy. I know you came here for a rah, 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 let's go get them, fight, fight. Yeah. <laughs> but you had the topic of confession and gave it to a prophet. I'm sorry. <laughs> so with, with, with that, so we'll, 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 we'll close with this. We'll just take a moment in a second here. And I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands or any of that kind of stuff. And once again, I'm not going to start, you know, you, you, and you, or whatever. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to take a leap of faith there, you know. Probably everybody in this room has something that they probably have to talk to God about. So we're going to take that moment and say, you know, let's just come clean before the Lord. Let's get rid of of these hidden sins. Let's begin to confess to the Lord and then let his mercy and grace just shower upon us. And as the verse in 1 John says, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the, that's the assurance of uh, uh, forgiveness, by the way, in case you haven't taken the class. Um, let's, just, let's just take a moment and get right with God. Uh, and I see, you know, I know this is a little bit of a heavy subject. I came across a little strong. I try to lighten it up with a little humor. You know, just, you know, a little spoonful of sugar with the medicine, I guess, you know, whatever. But for, for, for just a few minutes, I'm not going to talk or anything. Let's just get right with God and, and begin to um, just confess these hidden sins and, and to let God begin to work.
Father, I just right now just pray. And if we're coming before you and taking care of business, I want to say thank you, Father, for your love and your mercy and your saving grace. And as the scripture says, if we confess our sins, you are faithful. You are just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can stand before the most holy God. And you accept us as your, our sons and daughters, Father. I thank you and praise you for that, Father. I pray right now, as I want to specifically for Life Church, Father, as we're going through these rules for life, Father, as we begin to take inventory and begin to put these things into practice, Father, that right now in Jesus' name, I just pray, I thank you for the things I've seen and testimonies I've heard of life-changing since we started this series, Father, and I thank you in advance for the testimonies of how you're going to continue that. And I do thank you that you, you love us, Father, and I just pray, Father, as we begin to let these rules of life rule our lives, that we would rise up stronger, bolder, and ready to go for the kingdom more than we already have. Not that we haven't hit the mark, but Father, we'll go even beyond where we are and moving forward. I thank you and praise you for that, Father. I just thank you for humble hearts, Father, that we can come before you and just say, hey, man, I've blown it. This is my hidden sin. I'm going to undig it. Here it is. I expose it to you, Father. And as we talked earlier, you do not condemn us. You do not punish for that. You forgive us. And then we move on and we grow stronger and closer with you. And I thank you for that. Thank you that the most awesome, all-powerful, mighty God, creator of all things, thanks enough to care about each one of us individually and loves us that way. And Father, I just pray that once again we would just begin to realize that and begin to live lives that are worthy of, of, of you, Father, that we will no longer hide things from you. We'll no longer say that we don't sin or we don't have sins making you a liar, because we all do. But that, Father, once again, you just, you just love us and cover that. And thank you for that. And Father, one more time, I just want to, as we close in prayer, just as we go about our, our, our week, the different things that we'll do, work, school, and different things, that you just be with us, Father. And that you just remind us of some of the things that we're learning and putting into practice as we go stronger, Father. Also, just one more time, I want to pray for the persecuted church, Father. We were able to come here and meet freely and hang out in this awesome building with the air conditioning and the lights and everything. And we didn't have to make a decision tomorrow, do I want to go to church and take a risk of dying? But we can come here, Father, that, that you just be with those church, Father, the persecuted church, Father, and Jesus' name. Give them protection. Also pray for boldness, that they would be also bold. They would not be ashamed. They would not hide. But more importantly, Father, that you would just right now, the Holy Spirit, just begin to minister to the churches that are gathering around the world. Just that comfort and that peace and that you are there and that you do care. And Father, once again, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. We thank you for what you've done just in this service, what you're doing in our lives and what you're going to do. And we look forward to more. And we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. And we ask these things in your son's name. Amen.